بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما إن شاء الله today we will talk about the arrival of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Al-Madinah, the beginning of a new period for Islam and for the Muslims. The hijrah of the Prophet from Mecca to Medina is a turning point in the history of mankind. Perhaps it is the greatest milestone that mankind has ever witnessed in history. It was the turning point of the Muslims from a state of weakness to a state of strength. And when the Prophet ﷺ arrived in Al-Madinah, it was the beginning of a new era. And from that era, Islam spread and came to the hearts of the people and it spread across the lands. So the Prophet ﷺ, as we mentioned last week, he arrived in Al-Madina on a Monday, and that was the 12th of Rabi'ul Awwal. So he arrived in Al-Madina on Monday, the 12th of Rabi'ul Awwal. The days preceding the arrival of the Prophet ﷺ in Al-Madina, the people of Medina knew that he would be coming any day. They knew that he had left Mecca and that he was on his way to Al-Madina. So the days before his arrival, they would go out from their houses after Salatul Fajr and they would go to the outskirts of Medina and wait that perhaps today he is going to arrive. And they would wait all the way after Fajr up to Salatul Dhuhr. So they would wait hours for him that maybe today is the day that he will actually arrive. And if he hadn't arrived by Salatul Dhuhr, then they would go back to their homes and they would repeat the same thing the next day. So they were doing this in the days preceding the arrival of the Prophet So on that Monday, on the 12th of Rabi'ul Awwal, they had done as they usually do. They came out of their houses after Salatul Fajr and they went to the outskirts of the city and they waited for the Prophet to arrive. So they waited until Salatul Dhuhr and the Prophet he didn't arrive by the time of Dhuhr. So they left and they went back to their homes as usual. But there was one man who stayed behind. He just hung out for a while. He was a Jewish man. He was not a Muslim. And as he was waiting, the Prophet and his companion Abu Bakr they entered. So this Jewish man saw them enter and he called out to the people. He called out to the people of Aus and Khazraj, the Muslims. He said, the one you have been waiting for, he has arrived. The one you have been waiting for, your leader, he has arrived. And when they heard this, they all became so excited and they ran out of their houses and they quickly went back to the place where they were waiting. And the children especially, they were the first ones and they were the fastest ones. You know, whenever there's something exciting and everyone is going out, the children are always the fastest ones. They're the first ones to be at the scene. 
So the children, they ran and they were ahead of the adults and they went to receive the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So when they saw the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his companion Abu Bakr Radiallahu Anhu, these were people, many of them who had not seen the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam before. This is the first time they're seeing him. There were hundreds of them, literally hundreds of them. And they didn't know which one is Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and which one is Abu Bakr. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was only two years older than Abu Bakr. So they were about the same age. They were close in age. So these people who had never seen either of them before, they didn't know which one was which. Until Abu Bakr radiallahu he put some shade over the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when they saw this, they realized the one who is being shaded must be Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Messenger of Allah. So when they realized this, they ran up to him and they said, Ya Muhammad, Ya Rasulullah. They were so happy. They were so happy to see him. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam entered and he walked through the pathways of the area and the people came out and they were all so happy to see him. They came to receive him. They came to meet him. They were so happy. They were so excited. And they sang the famous song that you have all heard before. I'm sure. So they started singing this poetry in reception of the Prophet ﷺ as he walked along the pathways of the city. And they were so happy to see him and he was so happy to see them as well. 13 years he struggled in Mecca. 13 years of difficulties, of hardships, of tragedies, of calamities. 13 years and only 150 people had accepted Islam in 13 years. 150 people had accepted Islam in Mecca. Now he comes to Medina and hundreds of people, hundreds of people from the tribes of Aus and Khazraj who had accepted Islam, they come to receive him and to welcome him to his new home. So imagine, imagine the feeling that the Prophet ﷺ felt to see this. After 13 years of struggle, now this is a new chapter. And he has so many people who are happy to follow him, who are happy to be Muslims and who are happy to make him their leader. So this was the turning point and this was a new stage of Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ, he entered the city of Al-Madina and he stopped on the property of Bani Amr ibn Auf in the house of a man named Kulthum ibn Hadam. And this was in an area of Medina, on the outskirts of Medina, in an area called Quba, in an area that is named Quba. And the first thing that the Prophet ﷺ ordered when he stopped at that place in Quba, the first thing he ordered was to build a masjid, to build a house of worship for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the companions were quick to obey this order and they built Masjid Quba. And they built it very quickly. It was a very simple construction. They built it out of mud and they built it immediately. They built it very quickly. A simple building. 
and that was Masjid Quba and it is the first masjid built in Islam it is the first masjid built in Islam during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and it still holds a significance up to this day because it was the first masjid built in Islam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it a special significance and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned that to pray two rak'at in Quba you will get the reward of Umrah just pray two rak'at in that masjid masjid Quba and you will get the reward of having performed Umrah and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam even after he left Quba and he established himself in the main part of the city and they built Masjid Nabawi he still used to regularly go to Masjid Quba and pray there he, he regularly used to go to Masjid Quba to pray there because of the great reward of praying in that Masjid so anytime if you ever go to Medina make sure that you visit Masjid Quba and you pray two rak'at there and you will get the reward of Umrah as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said so the first few prayers led by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in al Madina, they were prayed in Masjid Quba they were prayed in the great Masjid Masjid Quba now of course Salah had been made obligatory before this, a few years before, on the night of the Isra and Mi'raj. That is when Salah, the five prayers, had become obligatory. So, of course, even before the Prophet ﷺ went to Medina, the Muslims of Medina, they were already praying their prayers. They were already praying their prayers behind the companion As'ad. Ibn Zarara one of the great companions of the Prophet and he was their Imam in the meantime before the Prophet came in but once the Prophet came into the city and he ordered for Masjid Quba to be built then he started leading the prayers there so the first few prayers led by the Messenger of Allah in al Madina, they were led there in Masjid Quba so he arrived as we mentioned on Monday and he stayed in Quba and he stayed in Quba for a few days he stayed there that Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then on Friday he left to go to the main part of the city so during these five days that he was in Quba many very important and interesting events occurred during those five days those first few days while the Prophet was in Quba one of the amazing things that happened was that the Jews of Medina and as we mentioned Medina was comprised of three different populations the tribe of Aus and the tribe of Khazraj and the Jews and each faction was about equal in number so the number of people who belonged to the tribe of Aus, it was about one-third of the population of Medina. The number of people who belonged to the tribe of Khazraj, that was also about one-third of the population of Medina. And the Jews were the remaining one-third of the population of Al-Medina. Now, pretty much most of Aus and Khazraj, a great majority of them, they accepted Islam. But the Jews had not accepted Islam. Even though they knew from their revelations, from the Torah, they knew that this was the time that a messenger was set to arrive. They knew and they were expecting that a messenger would arrive. So why did they reject the Prophet So there's an amazing incident that happened during the first days 
of the arrival of the Prophet ﷺ when he was in Kuba. And this was narrated by Safiya bint Huyay ibn Akhtab. Safiya, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, who would later on become the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. She narrates what happened during that time. She was a young woman at that time. She was about 18 years old. And her father was one of the biggest leaders of the Jews in Medina. And her uncle, the brother of her father, was also one of the big leaders of the Jews in Medina. So these two brothers, Huyay ibn Akhtab and his brother Abu Yasir, they were from the leaders of the Jews of the city. So Abu Yasir, who was the uncle of Safiya radiallahu anha, he went out to actually see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because like we mentioned, they knew that yes, this is the time of a prophet. So they wanted to go and see Abu Yasir. He wanted to go and see that. Let's see if this man has the signs of prophethood as are mentioned in the Torah. So Abu Yasir, he goes to see the Prophet ﷺ, and he sees that yes, he fits the description in the Torah perfectly. And he has all of the signs of prophethood. And this is the man that they have been waiting for. This is the man that they were expecting. So Abu Yasir, he goes back and he tells, he gathers the Jewish community of Medina. And he says, Wallahi, this man who has come, he is the man we have been waiting for. He is the one who is mentioned in the Torah and he has all of the signs of prophethood. So the Jews of Medina, they were speechless. They didn't know what to say. This is one of their big leaders telling them that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and you should listen to him and you should follow him and you should obey him. So the Jews of Medina, they don't know what to say. They're shocked and they're speechless. So Huyay ibn Akhtab, the brother of Abu Yasir, and he is the father of Safiya radiallahu anha. He says, wait, before anything is decided, let me go myself. I will go and see Muhammad and then we can see where we'll go from there. So Abu Yasi said, okay, you go ahead and you check for yourself. So Huyay ibn Akhtab, he goes to see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he looks for the signs of prophethood he looks for the description that is mentioned in the Torah and he sees everything. He sees, yes, this is the man. This is the man who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described in the Torah. So Huyay, he goes back and he meets with his brother Abu Yasir. And when Abu Yasir sees him, he asks him, what do you think? Ahuwa huwa? Do you think it's him? And Huyay says, yes, it certainly is him. It is him for sure. This is the Prophet that has been mentioned in the Torah. So then Abu Yasir asked him, Okay, so now you have seen for yourself. What have you decided to do? And Huyay ibn Akhtab, he replies with a response that is unbelievable. A response that is shocking. He admits that yes, this is the man, this is the messenger that has been prophesied in the Torah. And when Abu Yasir asks him, Mada azamt, what have you decided? He says, Azamtu adawatahu abad al-dahr. 
He says, I have decided that I will be his enemy until the end of time. So Abu Yasir said, what are you talking about? You just admitted that yes, this is the messenger that has been mentioned in our books. And you're going to be his enemy? You are going to be the enemy of a man who you know is the messenger of Allah? Does this make any sense? You will be destroyed. So Abu Yasir, he tried to reason with his brother. He tried to reason with Huyay. He said, you will be destroyed. Yabna ummi, oh, son of my mother. He tried to talk to him in a nice way, in a, in a way of respect. Yabna ummi, oh, son of my mother. What are you doing? How can you be an enemy of a messenger of Allah? Don't you know that that will bring you nothing but destruction? And then Abu Yasir said to Huya, he said, listen to me. Just listen to me in this one thing. Just listen to me in this one thing. And then if you disobey me in everything else I ever command you to do in your whole life, you don't have to obey me in anything else. But at least this one thing, listen to me. Do not be the enemy of this man. You know that he is a prophet. You know that he is the messenger of Allah. So please don't destroy yourself by being his enemy. But Huyay was very, very firm. And he said, no, I will be his enemy. And the reasoning behind that was jealousy and arrogance. Because up to that time, the messengers and the prophets of Allah had been coming from Bani Israel. So they were expecting that this last one, he would also come from Bani Israel. He would come from amongst them. But he didn't come from Bani Israel. He came from Bani Ismail. He came from the children of Ismail So the Jews who were from Bani Israel, they were not happy with that. They were jealous. He didn't come from our side. So even though they knew that he was the messenger of Allah who had been described in their books, they decided to disobey him. They decided not to follow him. So Huyay ibn Akhtab, this was the decision that he took, that we will not follow him. And this is the decision that he told the Jewish community in Medina, that we're not going to follow him. So they, they accepted his decision and they did not convert into Islam. Now Safiyyah, the daughter of Huyay, the daughter of this man who is saying that he will remain the enemy of Muhammad وسلم, until the end of time. She heard this conversation between her father and her uncle. She heard the whole thing. She heard her father admitting, yes, he is the messenger of Allah that has been described in our books. And I still am going to be his enemy until the end of time. Sophia heard this. She heard her father say this. And she knew that this is not right. This doesn't make sense. And from that moment, she knew in her heart that Islam was the truth. She knew in her heart that Islam was the truth. But she didn't officially accept Islam until later. Because as we mentioned, she's a young girl. She's only 18 years old. She's living with her family. And she doesn't have the power to openly proclaim Islam. So she remained patient for a while. And then eventually, she had the chance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed her to become a Muslim. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave her the highest honor. He made her one of the wives of the Prophet and one of the mothers of the believers. She is from the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen.
So this happened during the first few days of the Prophet ﷺ's arrival in Al-Madinah when he was still at Quba. Also, one of the amazing events that happened during the first few days of the Prophet ﷺ's stay in Al-Madinah was the arrival of Suhaib al-Rumi. Suhaib al-Rumi was one of the first Muslims in Mecca. He was one of the Sabiqeen al-Awwaleen, one of the earliest converts to Islam in the Meccan period. And he endured a lot of hardship and torture from the Quraysh in the path of Allah. Suhaib's story, it's really an amazing story. His name, he is well known as Suhaib al-Rumi. You all have heard of him as Suhaib al-Rumi. But his name was actually Suhaib ibn Sinan. And his father was a man named Sinan ibn Malik. And he was the governor of an area called Al-Uballa, which is in modern-day Iraq. So Sinan ibn Malik, the father of Suhaib, he was the governor of this area and he was put in that position by the Kisra of the Persian Empire. So he was one of the representatives of the Kisra of the Persian Empire and he was put in charge of this area called Al-Uballa which is in modern day Iraq. So about 20 years before the Prophet Sallallahu received revelation in Mecca. 20 years before Muhammad became a prophet, when the Prophet was still a young man in Mecca. Suhaib at that time, he was about five years old. He's a little kid. And living a good life, you know, his father is in this big position, the governor of Al Uballa. And Suhaib, one day, his mother takes him for a picnic in a neighboring city called Athani. And the day that Suhaib's mother took him to that city, it was invaded by Byzantine forces from the Roman Empire. There was fighting going on between the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire. So these soldiers from the Roman Empire, they invaded Athani on that day that Suhaib's mother happened to take him there for a picnic. Five-year-old kid. And they overtook that city and they took many prisoners. And from those prisoners was this five-year-old boy, Suhaib. So Suhaib was kidnapped and he was taken back to the Roman Empire. This five-year-old kid taken back to the Roman Empire. And for the next 20 years, he was sold from master to master and he lived in slavery during that time. Eventually, after 20 years of being a slave in the Roman Empire, he escaped and he headed to Mecca because Mecca was known as a place of asylum or what you could call maybe a sanctuary city. Mecca was known as a place where people could take refuge and people could take asylum. So Suhaib, when he escaped, from the Roman Empire, he fled towards Mecca and he entered Mecca. And that was around the time that Muhammad started receiving revelation from Allah. 
And Suhaib was one of the first people who accepted Al-Islam. He was one of the first people who accepted Islam. Now Suhaib, when he escaped from the Roman Empire and he entered Mecca, he worked for a man named Abdullah ibn Jud'an. And Abdullah ibn Jud'an was a VIP of Mecca. And he was a very wealthy aristocrat, a VIP of Mecca. So Suhaib, he worked with him and he did business. And Suhaib was very intelligent. He became very successful in the business as well. And Suhaib became very wealthy. He became very wealthy. And when the call of the Prophet ﷺ came, when the da'wah of the Prophet ﷺ started, he was one of the early people to accept Islam. So this was the story of the Islam of Suhaib al-Rumi. But the thing is, Suhaib, he was living in Mecca, but he didn't have any tribal alliance in Mecca. He was not from Quraysh, he was not from Mecca. So he didn't have that familial protection. So because he didn't have that family protection, he was one of the companions who was tortured greatly by the kuffar of the Quraysh because they knew he didn't have any family who would protect him. So he endured a lot of suffering and difficulties in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he remained firm upon the deen and he remained firm upon his iman. So when it was time to make the hijrah. He wanted to actually make the hijrah earlier. And most of the Muslims, pretty much all of them, had already made their hijrah to Medina. But Suhaib was blocked from making the hijrah. And he didn't have any family support. So it was easy for the kuffar of the Quraysh to block him from leaving Mecca. So the Prophet ﷺ left and Abu Bakr left. And Suhaib, he was still left in Mecca, trying to find an opportunity when he can leave. So finally he found a chance and he escaped Mecca and he left and he was on his way to Medina. But before he could get very far, the kuffar of the Quraysh, they realized that he had left and they were able to catch up to him and they blockaded him. They said, no, 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 you're not leaving this place. You came from outside. You came to Mecca. You became rich in Mecca and you think that we're just going to let you go like that. You, you, took so, you took so much benefit from being amongst us in Mecca. You became very wealthy in Mecca and you think you can just leave like that? You think we're just going to let you leave like that? And Suhaib said, Wallahi, I have 40 arrows with me and you know how good of a marksman I am. So if you try to stop me from going to Medina, I will kill at least 40 of you with my arrows. I have 40 arrows and each one of them will hit its target. So 40 of you will die from my arrows and then I have my sword after that and I will continue to fight you until I die. So he thought that maybe they would be scared and maybe they would just leave him alone and let him go. But they said, no, 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 you're not going. We're not letting you go. So then he tried to reason with them. He said, look, you know I'm very wealthy. And I'm not taking any of my wealth with me. I have left it all in Mecca. All of the wealth that I have earned over these years, it's all there in Mecca. And if you just let me go, I will tell you where it is hidden. I have hidden it and I'll tell you where it's hidden. You can have all of it. So they were greedy people, you know, money talks. So they said, okay, if you're telling the truth, we have a deal. So he said, okay. It is hidden in such and such place. 
So they sent their people to go check if he was telling the truth. They went there and they found, yes, he had actually left everything there. And they kept their word. They said, okay, you can go. So Suhaib, he gave up all of his wealth, everything that he had in order to leave Mecca and make the hijrah and be with his beloved, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So when Suhaib finally arrived in Al-Madinah, he arrived while the Prophet ﷺ was still there in Quba, the early days when the Prophet ﷺ had just arrived. Suhaib arrived a few days later and the Prophet ﷺ saw him and he was so happy and Suhaib also so happy. And the Prophet ﷺ says to him, Rabiha al-bay' Ya Aba Yahya, Rabiha al-bay' Like you have made a very profitable transaction, Ya, ya Abu Yahya. You have made a very profitable transaction. And Suhaib said, Wallahi Ya Rasulullah, there is no one who could have given you this news of what I did except Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had informed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa of what happened and how Suhaib was actually able to escape Mecca and how he gave up everything that he had in order to be with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and make hijrah for his religion. So the Prophet ﷺ was very happy and said, Rabihal Bay, this was a very successful, very profitable transaction that you did, Ya Abu Yahya. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding this beautiful incident. And from the people there are those who will sell their own selves in order to gain the pleasure of Allah. People who are willing to sell themselves, give away everything they have, and even give their life, everything, for the pleasure to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was revealed regarding Suhaib al-Rumi radiallahu anhu, one of the greatest companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So these are some of the amazing incidents that happened in those first few days after the hijrah, those first few days as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam entered the city of Al-Madinah. Inshallah, next week we will talk about another amazing story that happened in those early days. And that is the story of Salman al-Farisi. Another amazing, amazing story. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefit us from this. Ameen. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Also, there will be no sisters class tomorrow or next Thursday because many of the sisters, they're fasting for these first uh, 10 days or these first 9 days of the hijjah so we can't have the class obviously after Maghrib if, if, if the sisters are fasting. So we will not have a class for the sisters tomorrow or next Thursday. And inshallah after Eid we will restart the sisters classes again.